Coming from the business capital of the world, this is the Podcast Business News Network. Welcome back to the show. Dr. Ann Creekmore joining us here from beautiful Richmond, Virginia, to talk more about the work she does as a psychologist. And she's also an author. There's a lot to her. Let me have her introduce herself. Welcome. Hi. Hello. Uh, Please introduce yourself, doctor. Sure. Um, my I'm Dr. Ann Creekmore is my practice name, um, but my books are under AP Filosa. I'm a lic- uh, sci- licensed clinical psychologist for many, many years and many decades. I won't say how many. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and um, I, I'm here to help. I've written a book and I have also uh, a lot of mp3 cd products and some other books as well but I've written a book called love yourself love your life and it kind of summarizes all the main schools of thought in therapy or psychology and it's kind of simplified put in a friendly user-friendly way so people can kind of get a wow well, yeah, so trying to put my knowledge together to share. There is so much to you. We're excited to have you here. And uh, for those listeners, let me remind them, how do we contact you to start? Well, my email, if you want to contact me that way, is uh, Dr. Creekmore. It's just uh, Dr. Creekmore, C-R-E-E-K-M-O-R-E, at hotmail.com. And no period, no Capron, just Dr. Creekmore, uh, or you can reach me. I have another one um, that is um, is, but I'll, I'll tell. I'll, I'll, that's plenty for now. And then I, my, I have my phone number, a cocktail number, if you want to try to uh, to have a consult with me. Uh, that's eight zero four seven four one two six zero eight. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for being here. Let me start off. Uh, Obviously, there's so much to you, the work you do with workshops, but I think it's important to get to know you as a person first. Tell us a little bit about your upbringing, where you're from, and, you know, how you decided to go down the path of becoming a doctor to help all these people. It'd be great to hear a little bit of your backstory, if you don't mind. Sure. Um, Well, I I don't know. I, I always had an interest in psychology. I mean, even in my early teens, I just, for fun, I, I would sit out, you know, in the sun and <laughs> sunbathe and at, uh, you know, and 13 and just be reading a glamour magazine, a teen thing, or reading Young and Freud, you know, Carl Young and Freud. I was just really interested in psychology from an early age. So I um, wound up knowing that I wanted to get my doctorate and how long it would take to do that. So I kind of graduated from high school in three years and college in three years, and then started two weeks later up with my doctoral program, um, which I did finish in four years, which is pretty good because a lot of people sometimes with their dissertations go 10 years trying to get that darn thing done at the end. But I just always had a real interest in understanding people, helping people, um, and and just you know want to understand the roots of of different problems and how to help mankind so i just kind of pursued it and i've been doing it ever since well we're excited to have you here and i know for today's show you want to talk more about the self-fulfilling prophecy for example right that's going to be our first chapter uh the most effective um would you mind sharing with that it's called cbt Correct. Um, that's cognitive behavioral therapy. Um, my book, as I mentioned, covers all the different types of therapy, but the, what's considered to be, and, and I do it in an eclectic approach, and sometimes I 
uh, during the podcast. I'm going to kind of try to run people through a few little exercises or you if you want to <laughs> do a little exercise um, just to get an experience of them. But uh, what's considered to be the most effective form of psychotherapy is called cognitive behavioral therapy or CBT. And that's the first chapter in my book, Love Yourself, Love Your Life um, by A.P. Filosa. I'm just saying that because that's my author name. You won't find it under which, you know, the name we're using, my practice name. But it is a, uh, it basically means that our thoughts create, in a sense, like our thoughts are prayers, they're creating. And it's not so much what happens to us, the events that happen to us, but it's the self-talk that we say to ourselves that causes us to have the feelings we have, and then how we're going to behave, and then the outcome of things. Um, and so the goal of this type of therapy is to help you to identify limiting beliefs or limiting negative self-talk and self-statements or about yourself or your world so that you can change your feelings and then change how you would behave and then the outcomes of life situations. Um, and I, I, it's kind of like if you have like a glass, say, of muddy water and you take a clear pitcher of water and you start pouring it into this glass of muddy water. Well, all the mud is going to start flowing out, right? It's going to get overwhelmed, keep coming out, keep coming out. You keep pouring that pitcher of clear water into the glass. And eventually you're going to have a nice clear glass of pure water. And that's kind of like your mind that when you let all those negative self-limiting beliefs out, then, you know, then you're going to be left with these clear, pure thoughts that are very, you know, nourishing for you. And I, I can give you an example. Um, uh, for example, say uh, two people get the exact same job performance evaluation. So let's say it's a written up one these days. It probably wouldn't be. And it's a good one. And it has just a couple of criticisms, you know, in a couple things they can improve. And two different people get the exact same write-up. And uh, one person has uh, has higher self-esteem and just their name's on. It's the exact same one as the other ones, but they have higher self-esteem. They look at the, you know, good report and then they see a few criticisms and they go, oh, uh, their thought of it is, I, oh, I'm smart. I'm capable. I can do that. You know, we just maybe didn't communicate or I'm new. It's a learning curve. I'll get this. And so how does that person feel probably saying those things to themselves that they have sort of a pep talk, right? They feel more positive. So that, so then how would they possibly, they behave probably, probably good on the job. They're smart, they're capable, they can do it. You know, they're, they're feeling like given to the job. And then uh, how do they probably do on the job? probably well, because they're feeling positive and motivated. Now, say this, another person who's got lower self-esteem is going to say negative things to themselves. Remember, it's not the event. It's not the job performance evaluation. It's what you say to yourself about the job performance evaluation that causes you to feel a certain way. Another person gets that they don't have very good self-esteem. Uh, they, so they see this good report, but they see these few criticisms on it, and they go, oh, no. I'm a loser. I'm a failure. They're going to fire me, you know. So how does that person feel? Same event, different self-talk. That person feels 
you know, depressed. They feel discouraged. They may, so how do they behave? They might have an attitude. They may be like, well, these people don't like me here, you know, and they've got an attitude. Or they may think, well, why even try? Uh, they're just going to fire me anyway so they get, you know, they're not productive. Or maybe they get anxious. They try to do well, but they're all over the place, anxious about things. They're making mistakes because they're thinking they're going to get fired, you know. So none of that works out when you use the self. So their job performance, obviously, is not going to be as good as a person who is being a friend to themselves. So the idea is, and it's in the first chapter, it's got a handout even, at how to stop your negative thoughts. That what you do is you, uh, you, if you have a negative thought or limiting belief, you basically have to thought stop. One therapist actually to put a little, put a little rubber band on your wrist. Don't hurt yourself. Just give it a ping if you start saying negative things to yourself. So then, when you, if you wouldn't say it to a friend or family member, you're not allowed to say it to yourself. You're supposed to stay and be a friend to yourself. So then, put the opposite and put an affirmation in. Like in this case, you can say, oh, I'm smart, I'm capable, I can do those things, it's a learning curve, I like challenges, I can do that. Um, and then you can pat yourself on the back for, you know, for doing that. Because people, if you compliment yourself for doing something, you're more likely to do it again. People work for rewards. So if you catch your negative thought and you're putting in the positive, then you say, hey, good job. And you're more likely to do it again because we tend to be negative thinkers. And it may be when you start this process that you have to do it 300 times a day. You're going to catch yourself saying negative things to yourself that you're going to have to stop and put the positives in. But maybe if you keep doing it in a week, it'll be down to 50 or 15 times a week. You know, it becomes more of a habit. So that, in a nutshell, is a very simplified version of cognitive behavior. Interesting. All right. So if you are just tuning in, we got to remind everyone, uh, doctor, who we're talking to and the best forms of contact. Yes. Um, my books are under AP Filosa. My practice name is Ann F. Creekmore, licensed clinical psychologist. And my uh, number is 804-741-2608 if you'd like to get a consult or my email. Email is drcreekmore, all lowercase, at hotmail.com. That's C-R-E-E-K-M-O-R-E, D-R. So you have over 40 years experience as a licensed clinical psychologist. So clearly you're passionate about your career, I could tell. Uh, Can I just ask you what's the most rewarding part of your job, would you say? Well, I, I just, you know, like they say, if you... If you like your, you know, if you like your job, you'll never work a day in your life. And I feel that way. I mean, always, uh, it's, some people think like, well, how can you handle these people's problems? Or doesn't it depress you if they have these problems? But what it doesn't do that because I'm able to help them. If they feel better when they leave, or they feel some relief, then I'm really happy. So it's about just helping people. That's all I'm really interested in is helping people and trying to help them to get to the roots of their their problems and be able to be motivated to make the changes. And when they get, a, you know, they're more happy and fulfilled, then I'm happy and fulfilled. Oh, that's great. Well, we appreciate you. We're glad that you're here joining us and talking, obviously, about the work you're doing and how you can help people. And by the way, uh, what states are you licensed to work in? I'm licensed to work only in Virginia, um, 
But that doesn't mean that I can't do, uh, I think that that doesn't mean that you can't provide consult in, you know, to whoever. It's just, unfortunately, insurance would only be covered for people in Virginia. Perfect. All right. Well, I know you're into obviously helping people, seeing them be happy. As we just discussed, we're going to talk more about those root problems and how a lot of people maybe just don't have the coping skills and techniques. So hence you come into play here. Um, Do you want to share a little bit more about uh, the work that you're doing? And, uh, you know, would love to find out more about your fusion of this positive psychology with the seven schools of thoughts. There's so much to your notes. So I'll let you run the show. It is your show, Dr. Ann. Go ahead. Well, that's just kind of like a summary of my book. Each chapter of the book um, covers a different type of therapy. And I thought maybe we would do a different one each week and um, and including client centered therapy, um, which is like there's a focusing inward processes. You can kind of like, you know, pull the straw off the camel's back, so to speak, by just kind of laying out your problems as boxes, in a sense, labeled, and then picking the one that's the worst and getting to your feelings about it and how, what to, you know, to bring that to why it's bothering you and how to heal, find a positive, solid, you know, constructive solution from going from a facing a negative feeling, but taking it to the positive solution and then rewarding yourself for carrying it out when you get a relief feeling that's kind of the second chapter uh called focusing inward it's by um it's a client-centered form of therapy by jenlin uh eugene jenlin originated it they used to actually have a movement where you could have partners um and do this process a step-by-step process and you kind of have your partner be asking these questions to help you get to why you're feeling so overwhelmed and anxious and then come into a positive solution. And then when you finish, you, they switch off and the other part of help another person. They actually had it going for a while. Um, but there's, you know, there's also psychodynamic therapy and internal family systems, um, both that go into healing emotional wounds of the past. Uh, basically, in my book on page um, 22, I have a feeling chart. I call it um, the iceberg analogy, where you can see in an iceberg, you see the tip of the iceberg only, you see the the ice at the top of the water, but really there's a lot of deeper um, ice underneath, and that's what really causes the problem, right? If there was a ship that was going into it or something. Um, So with the iceberg analogy, the tip uh, is a feeling chart where the tip of it is anger. We all kind of can get in touch with our anger or some kind of anger, you know, annoyance or irritation or, you know, rage or whatever it is. But really, we can't do much with anger. We have to kind of ask ourselves to go below the anger and find out, you know, what we're feeling underneath that we can actually heal. Anger is kind of like a signal that there is some sort of emotional distress that we need to go below for our emotional survival. Kind of like hunger is a physical signal that we need to nourish ourselves for our physical well-being. So if we can get below the anger, just use it as a cue or as something to give us a little energy to do something. And then we ask ourselves, what's below the anger? Am I feeling sad about something? You know, I've got some loss, some grief, some hurt, disappointment, rejection, or I have the whole list on page 22 in the book. So it's easy to kind of look at the columns and think of things if you can't think of them off the top of your head. 
Then there's the afraid side, some fear. Are you, you know, feeling afraid of something or overwhelmed or apprehensive or insecure, scared of something? So if you can go below the anger and then figure out what the feelings are below, then you have a better chance of figuring out, well, what will make it better? I mean, if you need, if you're feeling, you know, if you're having grief, it may need to go through the grieving process, not say stuck at the anger, which is the third phase of grief, actually. But, um, you know, which a lot of people do stay kind of stuck, but it's normal to get angry when you're grieving. Um, but uh, I guess I can mention there are five phases of grief. You've got the initial shock, disbelief, uh, numb. Then you've got a lot of people put anger second. I put I, that I put it third, but you got bargaining, which is kind of thinking about things like, well, if this didn't happen or that did happen, then, um, you know, then it's almost like that somehow the loss won't occur, you know, which it will, it did. And that's not, but you're thinking through kind of avoiding feelings. And then the third phase, as I put it, is your anger. You know, people get angry at, you know, they can get angry at anything. They're angry at the doctor or the or the person who left to abandon them or the or God or them. They can turn the anger in on themselves. That's why there's a lot of fights, you know, between family members at the time when there's a loss and there's grief. There's they're going through their anger phases and but you can turn in on yourself and have guilt about something. Um, that, but you don't want to stay stuck there. You just want to recognize it's okay to have those feelings and it's normal to have those feelings and to go back and forth, maybe numb to bargain to anger to numb and so on. But what you're really trying to do is get to sad. You're trying to get the mourning out because underneath it all, you know, the worst of it is you're feeling really sad about the loss and you need to grieve and cry. There's like 90, about 90 toxins in sad tears compared to 10 in happy tears. So when we're crying and grieving, we're really releasing toxins, chemicals, physical and emotional cleansing is occurring. So when we do enough of that and lighten, keep getting lighter and getting our, that out, that's when we can get to the fifth phase, which is the acceptance phase is when you start to feel, okay, now I accept it. I feel ah, some heat. Feeling a little better, it, right? Exactly. And it just comes and you start to get into that. And even positive, good things are coming back. Some memories that, you know, happy thoughts or things you've learned. And that's when you're really ready to move into rebuilding. But if you just stay stuck at anger, you stay stuck at the early ones you don't get through, you're not really rebuilding uh, you're, you're rebuilding, but on what they call pathological or aborted mourning, you haven't really mourned and gotten it out. And so you're not really ready to be coming from a place of peace and, and moving into your good then. So I'm not sure exactly how I got into the whole thing on that. I know we were talking about um, focusing inward, but that was just one example of when, you know, sometimes we think when something's bothering us that we want to, you know, talk to somebody or tell somebody, you know, express something. And half the time it might be we find when we focus inward, the worst thing is that we're wearing triggers and grief is triggered and we just need to work through our grief, not express it at somebody. Um or, you know, we may just need a nap. The worst is we may be super tired, you know. It's hard to know when you use a focusing inward process of what 
you know, was really going to make you take that straw off the camel's back, you know, so to speak, where what was the worst thing at this moment really bothering me? If I can change that, then all that overwhelmed feeling is going to is going to go away, you know, and you can just do what you need to do to feel peace. Beautiful. Well, we just have uh, three minutes left in the show. So Dr. Creekmore, how did you kind of want to sum things up for today for our first show, show together? Oh, just want to say thank you for having me, letting me um, share what I've learned um, with my clients and uh, and fellow, you know, colleagues and so on over the helping professionals over the years and be able to share this with people. And I hope it really helps. Well, we are appreciate your time here being here for us. And let's remind everyone, of course, how they can contact you. Yes. Um, my email is drcreekmore at hotmail.com. And my phone is 804-741-2608. Perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. No, pleasure having you here, getting to know you. And thanks so much for enlightening all of us today. Looking forward to the next time we get to connect for interview number two. Is that next week? Correct. Okay, great. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much. You have a great day and uh, evening and morning, wherever you're listening in the world. And we're looking forward to the next time. All right. Have a great day, everyone. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thanks, Jill. Broadcasting from the business capital of the world, this is the Podcast Business News Network. Hey, what's up, everybody? I'm Jason Derulo. I love that music connects to people all over the country, but unfortunately, so does something else. Childhood hunger. 15 million kids struggle with hunger right here in America. And yet, every year, billions of pounds of surplus food in the U.S. go to waste instead of going to the children in need. Feeding America is working to change this. The Feeding America nationwide network of food banks rescues this surplus of food to help provide meals to families in virtually every community in the United States, including yours. But they just can't do this alone. Join me in the fight against hunger in America. For more information on what you can do to get involved, visit feedingamerica.org. That's feedingamerica.org. Together we can solve hunger. Together, We're Feeding America. A message from Feeding America and the Ad Council.